From New York City, the world famous Comedy Cellar presents Live from America Podcast. With Noam Dorman and Hatem Gabber, live from America Podcast, where the top experts in the world and the best comics in the nation get together weekly to discuss today's issues as they cover news, culture, politics, comedy, and more with an equal part of knowledge and comedy. And now, here are your hosts, Hatem Gabber and Noam Dorman. Hello and welcome to Live from America podcast. This is Hatem alongside me, my best friend, the one who's always in a great mood. <laughs> the honor. Boris? <laughs> no. I guess it's got to be me. <laughs> uh, comedy seller and comedian uh, 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 Boris uh, Hyken. Uh, comedy seller owner Noam Dorman, a comedian and regular on the show, Boris Hyken. Hello, Boris. Hello, Noam. Hello, Hatem. And for the first time, comedian, very funny and good friend, uh, the one and only Rob the Fire Bernstein, co-host of Part of the Problem and host of Run Your Mouth podcast. What's up, Rob? Hell yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Long time. Thank you for joining. I know you're away somewhere. Yeah, this is uh, I'm out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I do this thing called Summer Porch Tour. So we did a comedy show in the middle of the desert last night. And now I'm doing it from uh, one of the RVs on the property. Oh, nice. For which side? What was that? Which side of the border? <laughs> oh, I, I, I think I'm in the US right now. I should certainly hope so. <laughs> It'd be you weird if I got outside of this caravan, found out I was in Mexico. But I guess it is possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's new with you? Uh, nothing. I'm, um, what's new with me? Nothing's new with me. I'm, I'm just trying to get this McDonald's uh, club built and it's, uh, impossible to get anything done in New York. Uh, if you're, um, you know, trying to build a business. Is what's it, like the big, is it permit problems, union problems? Uh, the union problems haven't come yet. I'm sure. I don't think we're gonna have union problems. It's, uh, um, code problems, legal problems. Uh, you can't, you can't get anything done. You just you just can't get anything done. Like just to just to pull out some booths, you need permits up the ass. I often joke like, and this is I don't mean this to sound bad, but like if if I wanted to get my son's dick cut off, they'd be like, right this way, Mr. Warmer. You don't you know, we're gonna fast track that for you because you know. But if I say, well, I want to pull out some booths out of the McDonald's, like, well, hold on a second here. This this, this, this slow down, slow your roll there. This is not something you go into hastily. Maybe so. that's the compromise we put transitioning under the building and zoning department. And and I and I and I'm not trying. I, who gives a shit? But I'm not trying to make an anti-trans joke. I'm just say, but saying that like certain things, if they're politically beloved, they'll you know shepherd it right through, even at the, the at, at risk of you know serious miscalculation. But to try to literally to pull some nails out of a wall, then maybe that's a slight exaggeration. You have to jump through hoops. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't get it. Why you always said, um, you know, back in the day, one of the the great things in this podcast is like we predicted a lot of things that we said years ago. But one of the things they always say, like years ago, is like the Empire State Building example. Like it was built in like nine months or something. Thir- Thirteen months. Thirteen months. You know? That's back when you could use kids and just let people fall off the building. It was a different world then. Yeah, yeah. No, think, absolutely. You're right. There, there, there was some lack of safety involved in building it in 13 months part of that was the 
uh, lack of technology, but between the technology we have now, and let's say we added, let's say we doubled it and made it 26 months, that would be fine, right? You can't build a building like that in less than 10 years. You know, what's interesting is like we had a, um, uh, an astronaut here. He was actually the uh, International Space uh, Station president. And he was American. And we were discussing that about the war in space back in the day. And he said, like, Russia is always faster because they get shit done. We have a lot of stuff that we have to wait and get permits and study over and over and over. So, you know, it goes. Well, well. I'll tell you also, Russia's faster because they can put all their resources behind it and neglect, at least during that time period, for sure, and neglect, like, feeding people and lots of other things. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get. I have a lot of topics for you guys. It's it's so interesting, uh, and uh, three of the smartest people I know, and I only know four, so it's not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first thing was the uh, the Biden administration. Uh, you know, they suspended the federal funding for the Wuhan uh, lab, which I didn't even know that they're still funding. It's crazy to me, uh, but they said because they're concerned over that they will not. Um, uh, answer any um, questions about safety or any concerns like that. So they decided to to do it. And related to that, I don't know if you guys on Twitter a lot, uh, but yesterday Nate uh, Silver, who's been in this show, a great guy, uh, was trending because of of again COVID and his his stuff. So what's what's your thought on that? Let's go with Rob first. Oh well, firstly is uh, the fact that we were ever ever partnering with uh, communist Chinese partners for. What duplicates his bioweapons defense is just absolutely insane. Uh, they should just be answering for that. The fact that we're pretending like China's our enemy, but we're willing to fund what is also bioweapons research uh, is just insanity. Uh, and there's a lot more to the storyline than just what the 538 guy was putting out. This is like the tip of the iceberg of everything that was lied to us throughout the COVID regime and just how much misinformation came from government. Um, so... It's interesting because, uh, you know, Rand Paul certifiably busted uh, Fauci last week uh, for perjuring himself in front of Congress uh, over emails regarding the Wuhan lab. But this is really just the tip of the iceberg in terms of, you know, how much government lies were coming out during the whole COVID run. Boris, what do you think? You from there? Yeah, I'm with Rob on most of that. I read that link that you sent. And it was crazy how it sounded. They were just like, no matter how many warnings we give, no matter how many times we're like, now you stop it. Now get your safety under control. They like how many Noam can't build a building. But these guys got all these slaps on the wrist at their Wuhan lab. And <laughs> it's just crazy. It sounds ridiculous. Even just reading like the CNN article, how many warnings they tolerated. And it was also known. I remember when COVID happened, they were talking about how that specific lab had been flagged on like a ton of like really basic biohazard stuff and but does it make sense to do that lab with all that by in china isn't that a smart move no Um, i agree that's it's nutty like we explicitly know their government doesn't function in a way where like you can trust information so it seems crazy to partner with somebody on something like that no what do you think what's what exactly is the question the question is uh we they cut funding uh the white house uh to the wuhan because they refused to give uh, in to uh, the demands of uh, uh, warnings, you know, uh, check safety checks and all that. So we didn't know that this whole time we're still funding Wuhan uh, lab, but not weapons lab. 
Well, it is. Uh, I mean, I'm. I, you can you can argue that it's not, but in my opinion, anything that's being done is bioweapons research. Like all of this research, gain of function research, doubles as bioweapons research. So it, 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 when they're doing these kind of things, they're pretending like they're not working on bioweapons, but that's what it is. Well, it could be, but I mean, we we can't say that's what it is. If I'm, you're sitting down and you're studying how to make a virus more deadly, it, it's almost like if you were partnering with Iran on building up nuclear materials. You could say, yeah, it's for their energy needs, but if you're giving them more uranium that they can quickly, more quickly break out to a bomb, you're partnering with Iran on their nuclear program. If you're studying how to make viruses more deadly, sure, you can say that it's to prevent diseases. You can make that claim, so that means you can claim in Iran, I'm, hey, I'm just working with these people on their energy needs, but the reality is you're working with them on bioweapons research. Um, and also the fact that this is so hush-hush, like, like you would think that this will be a big topic, especially after, you know, I think a lot of people don't know that we're still funding that uh, lab. Okay, but uh, a, a few things. I mean, a nuclear bomb is um, a weapon that you can hit. We, we hit Nagasaki and, and didn't hit ourselves. A, a virus is a little trickier because how do you keep it out of your it's it's not it's not the ideal weapon chemical weapons are ideal weapons i mean i imagine i don't know boris would probably know because he knows a lot i imagine and you probably know rob but there are there are probably other reasons to do gain of function research research maybe as defense to 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 create to create defenses to things i don't i don't well, know what they claim is i, I don't think that Fa- well let me just say I, a Fauci yeah. who who lied but obviously was pro this type of research i can't believe that Fauci was promoting it because he was interested in weapons. Yeah, no, he absolutely was. If you look at his like kind of origin story and the NIH and his uh, ascent to power, uh, a lot of it was in military research, uh, particularly for bioweapons. I don't believe it. I mean, that, right. I'm, I'm not, you don't I'm have not to dis- believe it. No, I'm not disputing what you just said. I don't believe that Fauci's interest in gain of function research was. Well, here's the here's the problem with gain of function research is your. Um, you're creating viruses that would never exist in nature. Um, like in nature, it's very simple. You can either be a more deadly virus or you can be more transis- more transmissible. That's the only way that viruses work. There's no, that's like the algorithm for viruses. Um, what you're doing with gain of function research is you're tweaking the system and you're making viruses that would never exist. And what they argue or pretend that they're doing when they do that is that they're trying to create viruses that don't currently exist in nature so that if they did exist in nature, we might be able to combat them. However, from my understanding, those viruses could never come into existence because it's literally just against like, it's like against gravity. Viruses don't mutate in the ways that they're doing when they're putting these things together as gain of function, which is why it was outlawed. And I mean, what Fauci did here with EcoHealth Alliance when he partnered with that guy who later then became, by the way, the Facebook fact checker over the COVID regime, and consistently lied. You, if you haven't watched it, you should watch the videos where uh, he sparred against Rand Paul and he tried no, he to lied. relabel he it he lied. as I'm gain a- of function of concern. But no, I don't think you can. To me, it, it's like partnering with Iran on their energy program and saying, yeah, we're just working on energy programs or just giving money to a serial killer and saying, oh, I'm not funding their killing. I'm funding their store like Money's fungible in the same way knowledge and research is. If I'm working with people on something that duplicates his bioweapons research, that's really stupid to do with a communist party that you're claiming as your enemy. This so is I, research that I, also I'm, functions I'm, as bioweapons. I'm not, I'm not disputing the lies. I'm not disputing. Wait, I think, I think 
Go ahead, Boris. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, so I agree with like your broad picture more than I don't for sure. But if I was going to steel man it, I would say two things. One, like I'm not an expert, obviously. My understanding is that dichotomy between more deadly and more transmissible, that's like an evolutionary end process in the sense that if I, I'm, I might not, like I said, I'm not an expert, but my understanding is that the reason it's one or the other is because if something's more deadly, it's going to kill the hosts before it's able to transmit. And so it's not going to replicate, whereas something that's not as deadly has more of a chance to replicate and uh, spread. Boris, let me stop you. Boris, let, me, the other. Let, me stop, let me stop you. There. You're 100% right, because we had um, that Chinese lady, the, like one of the one of the world experts, and she said exactly the same thing. I think on the other podcast, she said this is a, this is wildly, right, mis- that's, wildly misunderstood. That's the evolutionary mechanism behind it. So uh, while I agree that uh, obviously it could be used as a weapon, I do think because of that, there is a, if I was going to steal man, and I don't know if I don't know or really care what Fauci's like intentions are in the broad spectrum of scientists that work on this sort of thing. I can imagine ones that feel that it's a worthy thing to invest in in order to mutated in such a way that you are trying to mimic what happens in nature so that no, you that's can try to predict that they're not mimicking what happens in nature they're doing what can't possibly happen in nature so i don't understand the function of it well enough to have that discussion so uh, no I'll, I'll, it's it's very simple exactly the way you describe viruses mutate if they're more deadly they're not transmissible so they go into a lab and they tweak them and they make them more transmissible, which can't happen in nature. But again, that's one's a function of the other. So what you're saying is, is if they take a virus and they make it more transmissible and more deadly yeah. by the very function of it being more deadly, it's going to kill hosts before it's able to spread more. It literally can't be those things you're describing because they are an evolutionary process that results in the are not of the virus. I but it could be deadly to some people and not some, you know, like totally, like, totally possible that wouldn't kill the Oh, it wouldn't kill some animals, but would kill humans. You totally. know? Yeah, but, but, but again, how, that's a how do you of how it spreads? How do you use a deadly virus as a weapon? I mean, how like there's a reason why they've done bioweapons research in the past and have created bioweapons. We don't. I don't think ever in my lifetime has it been used. But you know, there's no reason they, asking, like, to say I'm that bioweapons you, don't exist. How I didn't. I'm just asking a simple question. How do you yeah. use? A, tr- a transmissible deadly disease as a weapon that limits itself to the enemy. Oh, I just thought of an argument, actually, that's a counter argument to what I said in the sense that you can have. Wait, again, boss, why'd put- you let him off the hook? So, yeah, <laughs> I didn't let it. Well, no, 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 because I, I actually yeah. I was going to say one thing, one function you could have theoretically. And maybe this is to Rob's point is that maybe you mutated in such a way that it's deadly with a time period. So like the way AIDS doesn't kill you right away so that it can spread potentially without making anybody sick or knowing that they're sick at all. You know, except instead of AIDS but, being but through needle. So, no, I guess no, I guess to answer your population. question. Um, as a theoretical, I guess you could have advanced structure for vaccines or immunities that you can distribute to your own populations so that you're only targeting someone else. Where was that research? But you, th- th- if that's the case, then we would be doing that research. Well, it would be a function of part of your bioweapons uh, development. But there's no evidence that we, they were doing if, if that was the plan. Where is the where then you would see if you show me you're jumping, the same time they were developing a vaccine. I'd be like, I guess you're right. Also, there was some chatter last week about um, uh, whether or not there's also research of bioweapons that could uh, target certain ethnicities uh, oh, and not others. On. That's ridiculous. Um, I didn't fully R- look RFK into it. RFK just got but, heat for that, right? Well, RFK got heat for it, but from what I, I didn't, 
I didn't do all my homework on that, but from what I understand, there is some of that research in existence. So to say that like that's not something that someone could research, like I don't think he was he was disputing the accuracy of whether or not COVID was that, but he did, I believe, bring forward evidence of the fact that that research has been done. Yeah, the clip of him that I saw was pretty vanilla, to be honest, as far as RFK clips go. Like, I didn't yeah. find it that insane. But I think all he was saying, which obviously is the fact that certain diseases in general will affect people with certain genetics differently. So, like, the way, like, Tay-Sachs might affect one ethnicity. But he didn't say it like that. No, well, he was like in a dinner. I, I don't remember the quote exactly, but when I watched that, I was like, yeah, this isn't he's like kind of hypothesizing and maybe he's like going beyond his like what he knows for a fact. But I, it didn't sound like anything to me that was like RFK says it was designed to like kill the whites or something, you know. So, no, in your opinion, you think if the Communist Chinese Party has a lab and they're doing bio research, they just leave that alone and it's just for medicines. Oh, it depends what the research. I don't trust anybody to do anything. I'm, I'm asking. To, so do you think it makes strategic sense to partner with China in one of their bio labs? Do you think that that's like a good strategic decision? No. All right, then we're in agreement. Well, we're I think the we're, question we're is agreement more... on that. We're agreement on that. But I'm, we're not in agreement that Fauci is an, an evil. No, that was my statement. I said Fauci, that, but that I is, said that, that, that Fauci is... Yeah. was funding a lab that could double as bioweapons research. And it doesn't it it just doesn't even make sense why you'd be partnering with China on this kind of research. I, I wouldn't partner with any authoritarian dictatorship on anything that requires them to be honorable in order for horrible repercussions not to. And you could see why this is a particularly dangerous category, particularly seeing that it did cause this massive well, leak I, I, and a massive I'll take it a step uh, further. I, I this this talk about like level three labs, apparently like, like, like this kind of research shouldn't have been done on a level anything less than a level five lab. And it was done. Well, I don't know why they don't just do this stuff out in Antarctica so that if you have a leak, you can't affect anyone. I mean, the stupidity of doing this in highly concentrated areas. Let me just finish my point. So mm -hmm. that yeah. they said a level <laughs> three lab and uh, it should have been done. They were doing it in a level three lab. And I would go as far as to say that a level three lab in China probably is like a, a level one lab. That I, that I don't believe that these probably worse, that these terms are meaningful. Anybody, anybody who doesn't understand this should watch that show Chernobyl, that docudrama series to understand how the difference between an authoritarian regime and a, an open Western society are. So and, it, I, and I think it's just, insane, just, it's insane yeah. to do dangerous research in partners with the Chinese government. Yeah. And just just okay, to move on to the one. next the next one. Uh, but I want to say also that um, I think that it's the same reason that you can do your club again. It's like they can get away with a lot of stuff over there that they cannot get away with with in a Western. Uh, but society. I think the big point here is this is why. We need to have more of a uh, conversation about just protecting free speech because uh, the lab leak theory was just one of many lies that existed throughout the COVID regime. Uh, this one particularly because it helped Fauci stay in power. Uh, and the fact that it took two full years until they finally have redacted it in this fashion. It's incredible how long it takes until uh, they're willing to acknowledge these mistakes. Uh, and I think that there should just be more outrage over here's the proof why we need free speech. Yeah. And, and Nate Silva to get under fire yesterday. And it's funny because one of uh, one of uh, our guests was also a doctor. She was saying, like, it's funny that Nate Silva was attacked and people saying you're not expert in this topic. And when she 
proved, and she's the doctor and expert on that topic. They attacked her. It's like, you don't know anything. She's like, well, I'm expert in that topic. So what was your argument? You know? Uh, but anyway, let's move on. So uh, women FIFA World Cup. Anybody's watching that? Let's go something like Nobody? Okay. Uh, so, you know, whenever there's a big event in sports, special or international, it's the same thing happens again about, you know, trans athlete. So a lot of players, you know, stepping up and saying like, oh, they should, they shouldn't, all that. And they asked the FIFA, and this is international thing. And of course, they, you know, the FIFA said uh, that the, the each country have to verify that the competitor are either men or women which has created an awkward situation for some people. But, uh, you know, a lot of the U.S. players are actually stepping up to say, we don't want uh, a, a, um, trans male, trans to women athlete in, in things. And they're using the, uh, the Protection of Women and Girls Sports Act. Uh, so what's your thoughts on trans athlete? And, and this has become an international thing. Who wants to go first on that? Boris. <laughs> Who wants to get canceled uh, first? Go. Yeah, I'm gonna do an aside actually because when I was reading about this, I read they're also banning trans women in like a beauty pageant. <laughs> I think it was a miss. Well, if you can win Which, that one, that's fair. I know. Well, I'm like they they do not have a genetic advantage there. Let them like we need to pick our battles a little bit. I I just think the temperature can be turned down there. I know nothing about sports. To me, it seems to make sense why you would not want biological males competing against women. Uh, I think the temperature is so high on it that it's getting to this crazy level now where like, yeah, beauty pageants, I think we can. We but can but I guess my question is just to make it like more clear is like there is a, the NCAA here in inside the United States, which allows some athlete. And then when you go to the international level, they say, no, it's not, it's not happening. So are we going to lose advantage on that as well? Wait, you're saying internationally they are gonna allow? No, uh, they are trans- not allowing. Oh, so what? They're not they- even have, trying to have that conversation. Yeah, for sure, that makes sense. And also, most Americans, I think, are on a very clear side of this. For some reason, it's like seems like more a controversy because there's a lot of loud voices saying like there's not a difference between biological males and females past that point or whatever the the best argument for it is. But I don't. I feel like most people can rationally say like you can't have a trans woman competing against other women in like sports where there's a clear physical advantage. Did you guys see the, and I love Trevor Noah, but did you see the daily show is the interview about trans athlete? I mean, he, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of people, when you're like, I think big and famous, it's, it's very hard to talk about certain things, but you know, the answers and the questions that he ask is just not there. Uh, Noam, what do you think? I, I think it's obvious that it's unfair for biological w- men to compete against biological women. And, and quite a number of trans people have acknowledged that. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I don't even know what to say about this. I, I like you, we statistically, I think just in this, considering there's so few trans athletes, the fact that we've heard about so many of them already, dominating their fields that would not be possible if not for the fact that they have an advantage statistically that wouldn't be possible i i think it's i mean but i mean i see it like i have i have sons and daughters and i see little prepubescent kids running around my house all the time and it's obvious the boys just have certain advantages they just do even pre even prepubescent so 
you know, what, what do you think? I think we all want trans people to have gratifying and fulfilling lives. I think this is this is a mistake to, to go down this road. Um, it's also a comment on how little else we have to argue about in this country. <laughs> Rob, what do you think? Well, I agree that it's uh, ridiculous, but I do think it's kind of funny that we're uh, ruining women's sports. Um, and the other part of it I just do kind of appreciate is, uh, you know, I, I just don't like uh, socialism across the board. And I think part of the conversation with the female sports is you're ruining opportunities for these uh, female athletes. But so many of the opportunities that exist for the female athletes is because women complained, hey, this isn't fair that men have these opportunities. And the reason is because there's a market for male sports while there isn't a market for female sports. So to me, yeah, it, this makes no sense and it's cartoonish and you have men who are now uh, uh, beating women in sports, but they're also beating them in the game of who can complain more and pretend like they're more of a victim and, you know, trying to get socialist policies to force things upon people. So there's a humor to it to me. But I mean, I agree with you guys that it, it doesn't make sense. Man, like, we need really, to get like really, a fifth. Really, what, 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 what? We need a fifth guest to disagree with the four of us more. But it really doesn't make sense, does it? I mean, there's got there's got to be something that can be done. I mean, I understand they want to play sports and either have trans league or I don't know. Maybe everybody can play in one league where there there are no sexual things. But I don't know. E- even even on the issue of prison rape, where apparently there was some trans um, person, trans, some trans woman raped some people in a, in a in a female I, prison. I don't think that's a single incident. I think that's like. Uh... It's, I, I mean, I can't imagine there's that many trans women in prison, but I think when they do get into the female prisons, yeah. uh, I think there's there's enough that I've read multiple reports on that. I don't think yeah. it's a one off. E- even even on that disturbing issue. I find that there is a lot to think about in terms of what the right answer is there. Obviously, you can't have rapes. I mean, I don't want well, just quickly. But on the other hand, you'd think with modern technology and surveillance that Really, there should be a way to prevent rapes in a, in a location where nobody has any right to any privacy. Number one, number two, what would happen to these poor trans women if they were in the male prison? I mean, if, you, if you're worried about prison rape, there's probably gonna be a lot fewer. I mean, they're gonna get just completely raped in a in a male prison. So I have tremendous sympathy for the urge to put them in the female prison. I guess maybe the only answer is the prison just for trans people. I don't know. But even that issue, which people <laughs> roll their eyes at, I get that's a hard issue because can you imagine putting a trans woman in a male prison? I mean, the, the horrible things will happen to them. We have to understand that. But on this trans sports issue, I don't, I don't see, I don't see the other side. It's just not fair to me. And it's, I'm open to it. If somebody presents me some scientific data saying, actually, it's not true. Then that's fine, but it seems to me it's clearly just not fair. I think you should turn the McDonald's into a trans prison. <laughs> it's quite a quite a business idea you got. Yeah. Well, I, I, their argument is just uh, what what makes someone a gender is how they identify, and so if we're taking that as the rule and that's the absolute, then that's what makes this person a female. Um, but I mean, we all can understand why that's nonsensical. And this would be the application showcasing that it is nonsense. I I, th- I think that's uh, like weight. It's like no different than weight classes in boxing. Yeah. In boxing or, or uh, you know, a, a, a integration of the idea that we know that physics plays a part in things. You know, you know it's strong. funny. Neil, Neil Tyson said exactly your point. Uh, uh, he probably heard me say it. 
on, on Joe Rogan. <laughs> exactly your point is like maybe that's the solution is like to find identify something like that. And and he, he took the boxing thing. But I guess my thing is this. I identify my wife as never mind. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, go. As, as, as looking great in those jeans. Go ahead. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Whenever she asks. So. <laughs> good, good answer. I think I think the main thing for me also is to see how, you know, coming especially from another part of the world is like when this conversation is happening nationally, you know, there's a lot of like if you say anything, then you're anti-trans, and if you if you if you just even try to make sense, like Noam said, like if somebody scientifically proves something, we all love to listen and have, you know, and of course we want to have trans people have their own thing, you know, like do their life, live life. We have a lot of trans friends, a lot of comedians that we know. I think, you know, I've said this before, but I have to say that when I hear some of the people talk about this issue, it's pretty clear to me that they are anti-trans. Yeah, there, yeah. There, there is a vibe and a, and a way of speaking and a and a kind of d- contempt that comes through loud and clear. Um, but there's also a lot that not, yeah, you know. Right, especially yeah. to me, I see like when I see like in sports uh, world, you know, a lot of fathers and you know they were like so upset that their daughter is in college. The one recently didn't qualify to Olympics. Somebody else qualified to. I mean, not the Olympics to uh, to a uh, hundred race. You know, stuff like that. But my point is this. Is like when you see the the argument nationally, and then when they take it to any international level sports or event, people in the world say this is ridiculous. It's not even a conversation, you know. So I think there's something that's missing here, either there or here. I don't know. I think part of it is just like the temperature being turned down on this, like over maybe so a couple more years, because you know part of the issue, like the way Noam's talking about some people speaking with contempt, which like obviously is not good but also i think a lot of people on the side where they would at least be open and willing to have this discussion and try to like they might even be open to evolving their understanding but because of the reaction that even questioning it often gets from people who to me seem like maybe their heart is in the right place but they don't have a coherent frame of logic with which to answer these questions and so they don't even want to go down that rabbit hole and because they react with contempt towards somebody that might be asking a lot of people have like i know people i don't consider hateful but if you hear them kind of in the short run talk about some of these things you might come away with thinking they're just hateful and anti-trans but these are people that are just like fuck this i have no way of like having this conversation in an honest way where someone just doesn't like label me as a dickhead because they refuse to like even explore some of these things yeah and, and I, those I, people, I, I agree with you but did you finish and those people that don't want to explore it to me like they're anti-trans just the same. Like if you actually care about these people and trying to solve some of these things, you'll stop pretending like all your like foregone conclusions are the solutions. There's tons of these like statistics and data on people who transition where it doesn't solve their mental health issues and all these different things. And if you're actually interested in solving whatever this is, I, unless I'm like an idiot, it's never been explained to me for certain. You, ha- you have to allow for that option, but go ahead. Yeah, just uh, to me, I have never heard a clear explanation why the things that are currently being proposed as solutions are like a final decision as opposed to a thing that at the very least is still being figured out in terms of how to like fix this thing. Even using the term fix this thing, people want to pretend that something's not broken, yet we need to do all these things to fix it. Like, it's very strange. So, so I want to go back to something else Hatem Hassan said, which I which I disagree with. Um, and we see this all the time where where when it's convenient, we point to the policies of other country. Well, Europe, they do this. The fact that the rest of the world doesn't allow trans athletes to me is a meaningless 
fact. The rest of the world hangs homosexuals. The rest of the world operates. Uh, in, but but that was not not my point. I'm saying it's not a conversation versus a conversation. Like they they say basically, let's see scientific proofs. I'm talking about that's that. not what they say. The rest can, of the world. I send I send you the link of the FIFA, uh, which is the you know the federation. I mean the world uh, the world is a big place, but like for instance, no. When I, I meant when they said the world, I meant the world. Uh, events like the FIFA World Cup, like but, stuff but, like. But, that. but we know that much of the world, like for instance, there was sure. a BMW. yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, let me finish. There no, was a B, there was a BMW ad, uh, and I saw there were like six or seven different versions of the ad, and it was during Pride Month, and it had like the rainbow. They, they turned the BMW into a rainbow logo everywhere, except in one of the Arab countries where it was the, the regular BMW ad, because they know in that part of the world uh, sure. you, you don't celebrate Pride Month, so. But I like that you you specifically said the Arab world. It's well, not well, that's the Arab world. Some parts that, no, of the U.S. as well. That was the that was the ad that I saw. Yeah. So um, I I get rid of it. So the, the point being that I I would not. I just don't think that the, what the rest of the world decides about an issue, which is such a target for bigots, is really uh, dispositive of any kind of anything about this issue. The rest of the world is bigoted. But we have to just keep our heads down and and be rational. That's all. As an aside, I remember hearing an interesting thing, not causation, but correlation that like it's actually a fairly reliable measure of a democracy, whether you can have a pride parade in public. Again, not causation, but like if you look at which countries you're able to do that in, it's actually like their rating in terms of the government being more representative of the people is usually also higher. All right. Next. Yeah, but again, you know, there's there's parts of the world that does that. But we all want to, you know, we have a lot of uh, trans friends and we all want them to be happy and do that. But a lot of times, at least the four of us have no agenda, right? Like we really like it. We'd like to see solution. Um, okay, how about strikes? So we have a lot of strikes. Uh, uh, writer strikes, you guys, are, are you are you on the strike, Boris or Rob? I'm technically SAG after, but I wasn't booking anything anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Rob? No, I'm totally independent of the Hollywood system, so no striking, no cares for me on this one. Okay, so there, but but the general is like there's a UBS strike, Broadway strike, but they you know they solve it, and you know uh, and the writers, uh, actors strike. Uh, but in general, like all the strike motions, what's what's your thoughts on strikes in general? Does it ever solve anything? No, did you ever uh, be part? Was many ever part of a strike? No, no, I no. can see. Him. I mean, I strikes, can... strikes uh, are. I mean, the people have a right to strike, and in theory, there's sense to them. And maybe in this writer's strike, where you hear these stories of, uh, you know, how how poorly compensated or or, or how their their compensation was gutted in a way. By the fact that these new technologies came outside existing contracts and people stopped making the money that they were making, you feel like they have a a good case. But I don't really know much about it. In a broader sense, strikes have done. First of all, they they're not conducted on the up and up. They're conducted with the threat of violence and with actual violence and intimidation. And they they bring a company to its knees, such that the company agrees to things it can't really afford. And then ten or fifteen years later. The companies go bankrupt or those jobs evaporate overseas and things like this. So there's no good answers here. Um, I, I know that I'm dealing with uh, terrible 
I have, I've, we have, we have, uh, uh, you know, we deal with unions in the club in Vegas and um, it's impossible to deal with. It's just, you can't, you can't run your business that way. In what sense? Well, like in Vegas, if a customer is um, making noise, I can't ask the waiter or waitress to go over to the table. Can you ask those people to speak more quietly? Really? Yeah. Because that's not, that's outside their, their job description. You have that's to crazy. make a phone call to some central office where they send a security. Yeah. It, yeah. It's crazy. I've, I've done, on, I've done gigs as a musician where I wasn't allowed to turn my amp or I wasn't allowed to plug in uh, my effects pedal. Like just in Carnegie hall, stupid things, you know, indefensible things but uh with the business in vegas it's it's so upsetting because i i you know i i, I you know me if customers unhappy or the show's bad it cuts me like a knife you know like why the fuck can i ask the server i'm not asking them to lift heavy anvils yeah so the the, the send, send me there i'll get a couple of guys i go there the, make it happen um the union holds out for whatever it's holding out for, but they don't really give a shit about the business. They just don't, uh, you know, writ large. I mean, there's exceptions, whatever it is. It may be sensible unions. Just like it's pretty obvious that the what's best for the students is just not job one concern to the teachers union in New York. It's just not. Nobody could say it is. Morris, what's your, what's your thoughts on strikes in general on any... Any thoughts on, you know, the act of the writer's strike? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I uh, am not a super pro. Donna, stop guy. that. I, uh, uh, Norm's I was, kids are striking. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading the, I mean, obviously some of the demands seem reasonable in terms of um, like not getting residuals for uh, like Netflix and different things like that. My, I, what I really wonder if you were going to get residuals for Netflix, you would need data on who's watching what shows and Netflix doesn't actually release that. And I've been super surprised that I have not seen a lot of vocal aspects of these strikes, even asking for that data, which is strange to me. Maybe I missed it, but like in the clips that I've seen and in what I've read, I haven't seen it as a major talking point when you would need that data, obviously, in order to get residuals based on views. But Netflix does their data based on subscribers. And sort of the only thing that gives the metrics in terms of who's watching what is media coverage, how much is getting written up on like BuzzFeed or, you know, whatever. So I'm a little curious. No, I mean, Netflix does have uh, data because they have their top 10. They have their top 10, but like if you wanted to look up the way Nielsen does ratings, which would be much easier. Oh, yeah. No, no, you can't. You can't. But do. I'm saying they have the data. They well, that's the thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. Well, it's of not course public. they have the data. Of course they have the data. 100 percent. No, no doubt about it. You would think. No, of course they have. Of no, course they, they do. They have no, they to have it. If they do, they don't release it. It's not. Yes, part of how, the, could, how could they not? Yeah. I how agree, do they make I a decision about season it's two just, or not? It's digital views. I agree with you. It should be much easier. There's I see no reason. However, I'm just saying I don't see it as a public part of this conversation, which to me seems essential if you're going to talk about residuals, how that relates to views. And so to me, I'm curious, unless I missed it, why I don't see that as more part of the conversation. And also, like, I know one of their arguments, I guess, is just they measure success based on subscribership. But like, to me, it seems like, why would you not release that unless you're trying to, like, cram shit down people's throats that people don't want to watch, essentially? Like, I don't understand why you would. But, but your thoughts again, it's easier than general. Nielsen. 
What's that? Your thoughts on strikes in general? Oh, um, I don't know. They seem disruptive, and the unions that I've been a part of, I felt it wasn't people looking out in my best interests. I've been a part of uh, UPS, like Loaders Unloaders Union, when I was in college. I've been a part of uh, editors, video editors union, doing video editing at uh, Vice. And I'm currently on a gig that I won't publicly talk about, but that has a union forming. And essentially, the people that I see representing me and how they're, they're speaking and what their priorities are, I don't really love. And I'll tell you what, these fucking people need to stop using Comrade in their fucking emails. <laughs> truly <laughs> repulsive. They literally write these emails and say, hello, comrade. And I'm like, can you just not can you just not fucking cosplay to this degree? Because it's just such a red flag to me of your brain having a virus rather than actually processing things. And yeah, it's it's a big as <laughs> obviously you could tell that I have a personal <laughs> history there. But like, yeah, it's it's a huge red flag to me. And it's just so obvious and silly. Rob, what's your thoughts on strikes in general and active strikes, broader strikes, all that? Oh, um, well, I'm a big fan of free markets. I'm sure that there's government laws that favor these unions, which are why uh, companies are stuck with them and just can't like hire new employees. And that's kind of on a state by state basis. Uh, and we lose a lot as consumers. I mean, if you even look at like what road repairs cost in certain areas versus others, like there's just a lot of stuff that we would have in our life. Um, and it's funny to me when you see unions just gut like a perfectly good industry. A uh, recent story is Anchor Brewing down in San Francisco. Uh, that went on strike over COVID. And now, you know, they just went under because they couldn't afford those wages. Um, in terms of the writer strike, uh, part of the complaint is like that they're not getting paid what they were making on legacy television. But there's so much more TV shows now. And I'm sure your average show on Netflix, it doesn't make sense to compare it to like a home improvement or like an NBC primetime show back in the day it's like these all do have smaller um viewership however where i do where uh, from what i've seen the union has a very interesting point is with the ai technology of basically stealing people's uh intellectual property so like for example if you have someone in for a day uh like let's just say you had morgan freeman at the beginning of his career and you like that guy's voice and you record his voice on the first voiceover and you're the studio and now you own that voice that you never have to hire morgan freeman again you can just type the text of a Morgan Freeman narration into a computer and it can absolutely just dictate Morgan Freeman's uh, voice like perfectly. Uh, so it does seem like that's a new technology piece that is a uh, an element of this union strike. And that I find fascinating. And current law allows them to do that. Like that's actually something that Morgan Freeman would have no legal recourse uh, to stop. I would have to do significantly more research on that one. I to mean, tell you this. I mean, there's a lot of but... songs now like you. You can hear like. Tupac singing Jay Z. I've heard those, song. but that's like individual people, right? Like if Sony did that, you could have whoever. No, no I understand. Well, they, they already they already do this, which is crazy. If you work for uh, like uh, if you do like a big time animation, they'll get impersonators for like spinoffs. They'll get impersonators for like the uh, for you know like all like the chachkas for kids. Like I don't know, like if you were in a Disney cartoon tomorrow, they'll hire someone to do an impersonation of you for like the pull string doll, and you won't make any money off of that. So they already somewhat do it. Yeah, well, the, the Beatles voices weren't the Beatles in Yellow Submarine. This is an old story. Really? <laughs> really? Who did it? I don't know. Some 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 Russians. <laughs> some comrades. Yeah. All right. Next. Here we go. So the um, 
uh, let's talk about the elections, raising money and stuff. You know, um, let me try to find that share button. So, yeah, you guys saw the report that I sent you uh, that was, you know, about who raised what. And DeSantis looks like he's in trouble, like even though he's raised a lot of money, as you can see, I mean, 20, 20 million, but he's spending a lot. Uh, now, anybody can look at this and see like right right down there all the way, Chris Christie, like which where we, we should cut the, the line, Nikki Haley. Oh, none of these people other than Trump has a chance. None of them. With with Trump? No, none of these other than Trump has a chance here. None of these people do. They're all out. It's over. Don't worry about it. Not even <laughs> DeSantis? No, DeSantis does not have a chance in hell. Unless he wants to condemn the Ukrainian war. But other than that, he's a bore. And, uh, you know, he's not picking up any steam. Well, I mean, the reason he's raising money like that is the deep state wants him. If the deep state had its way, they would have Gavin Newsom against Ron DeSantis. That's what they'd like to say. I always wanted to book a vacation to the deep state. I can't find it. Um, so here, here's but here's why this is important, because though one of those is going to be the vice president, you know, so that's why it could be important. You know, what about Tim Scott? Why Wait, why do you say for sure someone on this list will be vice president? Why do you say it's important? Which one? Which question should I ask? Oh, for? <laughs> oh who cares who the vice president is? Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, sometimes we you care about the vice president. Well, because these guys can be able to raise some money and have some followers. So you want to team up with them to get these votes to you, you know, especially in states that you cannot win. If you can get somebody that in a state that you can swing some way, you know, of course you want that person in. So, so let me, I'm going to give you the answer to all this hot time. I think, I think it's likely, I'm not saying it's necessary, but it's very likely that there will have to be an, a non-Trump poll. I mean, poll like North and South poll, but also poll like politician um, that will emerge to collect the significant part of the Republican Party that will not be comfortable with Donald Trump. And that, I think, will be one, somebody like Chris Christie or or maybe Nikki Haley. I, I suspect it would be Chris Christie. I think he's the, the, the most likely person. So I, I think that you're, you're not going to see Trump necessarily just run away with this. I think DeSantis looked very, very appealing, but he's turned off Almost everybody now, I don't know if he can get his shit back together. He just comes across, at least to me, as a panderer. And um, and if he's going to try to compete in the Trump universe, I think at this point, although I didn't think so, I was wrong. I think Trump is going to dispose of DeSantis among the people who like that kind of candidate. But I think there are a lot of people who are looking for a moderate alternative. And I say moderate, not just policy-wise, because Trump actually not that. Trump actually was for affirmative action, but uh, also just moderate in terms of a, a more more moderate personality. And I think somebody like Christie or maybe someone who hasn't yet come out, I think they're at some point they're going to have to rise to like 30, 35, 40 percent. Trump's not going to win the, the, the thing 80, 20. He's not going to do better than he did in 2016. So hope from this list that you would consider like a serious contender. I think Christie, I think Christie is, is a, I don't th a dark horse here. Again, Christie, Christie after all these yeah. Okay. So only Christie, you know? I uh it's hard look, I, I it's hard for me to believe Nikki Haley is good enough. She she I've heard her, she's I mean on her resume it would be good, but I don't think she's got it. I, that's just my personal Tim opinion. Scott. 
I don't know enough about Tim Scott. Boris, what do you think? And then we'll go with Rob. I think my dark horse is Vivek. I don't. Uh, I also think it's probably unlikely any of these guys would beat Trump, given that so many are just trying to appeal to his base and they're not going to out Trump Trump. Uh, Rob, I'm curious why DeSantis is your deep state uh, pick. Oh, he was versus... uh, he was the lawyer down at Gitmo. He defended um, the death of uh, someone who had been tortured at Gitmo. Uh, and you don't get that job unless you're into that. They don't station a lawyer down at Gitmo unless you're on board. Believe me, if you go down there and you don't like what's going, How do I not going know on, him? what you can Google that. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, no, I'm that's, just curious. That's, that's his origin story. That's where he started his career. He started his career as a lawyer defending the uh, Bush torture tactics down in, uh, at Gitmo. And I'm telling you, if you sent like a typical army lawyer down there and he saw what was going on and he called up and said, guys, there's, this is indefensible, they would replace you. There's a reason why certain individuals end up in those jobs. And that's because they're on board with that. Um, he did the best job of any governor in the country on COVID. Uh, I like the way that he handles uh, woke culture. Like I, I, and I, I, but he's happens to be particularly good on central uh, central back digital currencies and that he's taken a hard line on that. Uh, but if you see the way that he won't, um, I mean, he he's a little bit wishy-washy on the Ukraine war, but that's because he's the deep state pick. And if he's in, he's going to keep that war going so he can't actually condemn it. Interesting. Yeah, I did not Rob, know. You're, you're all in on these conspiracies. Uh, no, I'm just very well researched. Nothing conspiracy here. Uh, I'll come with receipts. These are all accurate claims. I stand by it. Well, deep state is sort of a charged word. I, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying I disagree with it. And I, I, I'm just very surprised I didn't know about the Gitmo thing. I feel like I would at least seen no, like a, a I mean, daily show tweeting can... about it or something. You can you, you can look at the to me, the deep state is just anyone uh, unvoted politicians who are working against the general interests of the American population. Uh, one of the purest examples is just the, the war machine. And so, yeah, you definitely have characters who want right, to keep but, the but war machine lawyers, running. Lawyers have to defend unseemly clients. Otherwise, there would be virtually no. Right. Lawyers. But, yeah. But if OK, you think if the army sent someone down there and said, I'm not comfortable with this. They would say, no, this is your job. You have to stay down there. But I don't, see why he, I don't see why he would say I'm not comfortable with this. You're a criminal lawyer. I mean, have you seen any of the in- images out of Gitmo? They shoved hoses up hoses. They shoved hoses up at people's asses the, when there was no there was absolutely no scientific evidence of the fact. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. I'm not what you're doing is is very wrong. I'm not what am I doing that's wrong? The the I'm not saying that the people at Gitmo didn't do terrible things. I'm saying that criminal lawyers defend murderers. That's that's the job. You you don't take a criminal lawyer thinking I'm going to go into this and I'm only I'm going to f- only have innocent clients. You know that. I mean, uh, the famous case of uh, John Quincy Adams, who defended the British soldier. It was at the Boston Massacre. Right. This is this is a, a long tradition of of that's what that's what criminal law is. It's the defending horrible people for the, you know, for in, in large part. This is not fair to criticize a lawyer, a criminal lawyer for their clients. It's not to say, well, did you see well, who's going to defend these people? I'll, I'll take it one. They're, further. Not, they're not supposed to have lawyers. Uh, and I'll take it one further. We know a very good guy that been in the podcast here, a very respectful lawyer who defends people in Guantanamo Bay, you know, Someone need to if it's part of the system, you know. You, mean the, the tr- you mean the troops or the that's, people that are in prison? Huh? 
You mean some of the guards or the prisoners? <laughs> no, the prisoners. <laughs> I'm sincerely even asking. Given no, the, the prisoners. Yeah. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess you can take that job at any point in time. I mean, as a lawyer, you're allowed to refuse clients, aren't you? But I mean, you're not supposed to. Why would, but why would you? Point, you're not supposed to. Wait, as wait, a if, I, if I'm uh, Alan Dershowitz and someone walks into my door and says, hey, here's my case. You then have to give them your labor. You don't get to review the case and decide if it's something you want to take it's on. Not, it's not that you have to, but literally everyone is entitled to an attorney. And no, so no, no. we have a whole system where there's Bar, attorney. Boris, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I I don't know. But I imagine that what we're talking about DeSantis's position in the army is more better compared not to Alan Dershowitz, who takes cases that have constitutional finds of constitutional significance. But to a, a a public defender's office, where okay. you're assi you're assigned the case, and you know, and and you take the case. That's what you do. That's otherwise, don't be a criminal lawyer. I think I, so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, you're not, it's yeah. not evidence of a deep state. You can you can you can refuse the job. I guess maybe. Well, maybe. look at how many look at how many resources we put into public defenders. Versus how much resources is putting into put into government prosecutorial teams or government resources in terms of defending their own behavior. They're not even comparable. So if anything, that would be proof of the fact that, yes, the military and the government has more of an interest in uh, protecting their own nefarious activities and so that they invest heavy resources in doing so. Which, in my opinion, do we you and I vote on that? I don't know. I don't really follow. I'm just saying that I, all I'm saying is that I don't think there's much. Um, clear evidentiary impact of the fact that DeSantis defended anybody at Gitmo. That's all, all I'm saying. And then, wait, say that again. I I think the fact this is 20 years ago. How long ago was these Gitmo cases? 15 years ago. Yeah, 20 sounds about right. Yeah. Um, he's a lawyer who took the case, and and whether he was believed that these people were innocent or was uncomfortable or feels, I mean, this is, I, I don't see at some point, can there be an activity that's so immoral to you that if you're signed assigned by the United States government to defend that behavior, you should speak like you should, you should refuse that job. No, in your opinion, unlikely. it doesn't matter what the task is. I, I, if the I, United listen. States government, I mean, that's like a, Hey, I'm following orders. That's like a Nazi thing. Hey, you well, got your orders. No, it's not a Nazi thing to defend somebody as their lawyer. Come on now. You you're defending crazy. the United States government's torture practices, which included the murdering. But of you're people. not defending them. You're not necessarily defending the actions. What you're doing is according to the law, you're giving the best case in by the facts of what they did. Somebody could have done a horrible thing, but there's different punishments that you could I, have I for it. different processes. I can't believe what I'm listening to. Yes, they, they 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 put hoses up people's asses. This is horrible. They should go to jail for that. You have lawyers every day defending people who rape children. Yeah, but they're defending people. they're defending the continuation of the policy. That's the distinction. No, it's that's like, not what they're defending. Yes, it is. Of course, he's down there. He's observing the behavior and he's trying to figure out how do we continue the torturing policy. How do I how do I but, say that so, that was okay? Uh, how do I but, but, but if somebody actively hold on, hold, on, hold on the the logical. Uh, if Straight. I even get a rapist off, I'm not sure that he's going to go rape again. The if I know that you're literally in a room raping every day and I'm like sitting there observing it and figuring out how do I process listen, the paperwork. Listen, listen. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to accuse you now with, with, in all, with all the respect of, of um, something like grandstanding here. Yes, I understand what you're saying. I wouldn't even want to be a criminal lawyer because I don't think I could stomach getting a rapist off and having them rape again. I get, I get all that. 
But the logical straitjacket of what you're saying is that you believe that the only proper system would be that. No, that's actually. I'm sorry, I'll let you finish your point. That that these people are prosecuted without a lawyer because only a Nazi-like person would defend them. Anyone who takes a job. and And that is not a workable system of justice, period. Anyone who takes a job defending uh evil government behavior is a bad person. And I'm okay with that. That's fine. So, but, but that's fine. You could say that, but then what system would you create to try people? Because you, we're think not talking about trying people. We're talking about government lawyers who actually sit down and go, how do I defend this policy? That but that's is part, you don't, but, but that you don't is... know the details of what they didn't, didn't do. Like, look at, look at, I've, I've thought like of, uh, what's his name? Uh, Derek Chauvin. He couldn't get a good lawyer. Now, the reality was that and it's because of it's because of the sentiment similar to yours. How could anybody defend this guy? Now, the the reality is that um, he was trained in this hold. The picture from the Minnesota manual, which showed him being trained for trained for this hold was redacted from the jury. There were jurors who there was one juror who wore a T-shirt, which 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 presumed Chauvin's probable guilt before the trial. There was uh, there was a guy who was with uh, George Floyd prior who was not given an immunity. There was all there's all. Let me ask of, you this. Was, on, there's it, all sorts of irregularities in that case. And you don't and that the you don't know it until the adversarial system does its job. So, yes, this person may have uh, tortured uh, uh, somebody at, at Guantanamo. Now, does that mean that he was guilty of the offense that he was charged with? Does it mean he was guilty with the maximum offense, the middle offense, with first degree, second degree, third degree? Does it mean that maybe there's facts we don't know that? I mean, is it, just, just, you've decided he's guilty because you read it in the New York Times and now you think nobody should defend this guy. This is not, this is, that's that's, that's a crazy that's, system. That's not People what have I'm to have law. Yes, you are. How do you know this guy was guilty that, that DeFantis- No, no, no. I'm saying the guy who ends up stationed as the lawyer- for Bush's torture tactics at Gitmo, yeah. I look at that and I go, that's an evil person. And I'm willing and I feel comfortable making that judgment. And I bet the people that do take those positions and get escalated within that world are because they are on the side of the war machine. They are comfortable with the war machine. They might have a different philosophy for have me. You read this, have, you read, need... have you read the statute that 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 controlled this guy's behavior in that instance? Is it possible that actually the guy, the soldier who did it is not the person who should be. You're, you're once again, you're reverting back to a specific instance. And I'm referring to actually being stationed and okay. doing that so, job. And who so should do the job of your personality? Then who, then who should do the job? So no one other than sociopaths who feel comfortable so, defending so Rob, the CIA's torture. Uh, basically what, what you say, someone has to do it. I, I think I know I think there I, should be a whistleblower who calls up and goes, this is reprehensible and no one should be doing this in any capacity whatsoever. That's but what then how do you try? Then how do you try the people? That's what I'm well, asking you. If no one can on. defend them, how do you try? No, Cause you're talking about once you go to trial for the actual behavior, I'm talking about the lawyer who sits down in a room and goes, how do we get this done? Rob, you can't have a trial without a lawyer. I, so I think I, think people, I, gonna, I feel gonna, like we're gonna, not saying the same thing here. Yeah, I'm I, asking I you a question. Somebody tortures somebody in Guantanamo. He yes. has to be tried. Sure. How I do you do you. that if the person who is his lawyer is evil? I how do you do I, it? Practically speaking, how do you devise right. the system? I, I think I think there is uh, no answer to that. 
I think I think that you're talking um, about two different things. I think we're not uh, talking to. All right, I give up. Uh, let, let me explain what I think. I tell me if it's right or not. I think what Rob is trying to say is like to pick somebody for a position, he have to have a certain profile. He have to be certain evil level to be picked to that position. Once he's picked to that position, that's what you're trying to say, Rob. Right? I think I can bridge the gap here. Yeah. I I think what Rob is saying, which the part to me that makes sense is that if you have this type of position, it's very likely that it might draw the type of people that are okay turning a blind eye to behavior you might find reprehensible. But as a system, again, because we need in the court of law those people to be defended, ideally you'd want some system where it draws not just sociopaths, but also somebody that just has a passion for the law okay. and is okay Fine, to Boris. Put- so, so let me ask you th- this then. If, if what you're saying is true, Wait, I, that, there was a second half, though. I, I was oh. saying that. But this is what I just said. I, I want, I want, I'll hold the second half. I'll let you go back to it because I want to address the first half. Does that mean that every criminal lawyer, does that limit itself to military law or this law? Or is that, why would that not apply to 100% to the entire profession of criminal law? I think that's uh, not even limited to law. That's limited to any job where there might be moral hazards that some people are willing to but turn I think a blind no, eye criminal, to. So criminal law attracts sociopaths. Yeah, I, th- I think no. I don't think that's necessarily good. true. I don't I'm, think it's true. So, no, what I'm saying is, sure, I agree with you. If there's a court case in any in any situation, yeah, you need to have a system where someone's going to defend something that is different than being a lawyer. And let's say Bush comes to a legal team and goes, find me a way that I can go torture people. And you sit down and brainstorm, well, what's the workaround? Oh, well, if I'm waterboarding them, they're not quite torture. Or you know what? If I send them to Afghanistan to be tortured instead of an America and it's at a black site, well, then that's technically not happening on our soil. So then it's legal. The person who sits down and actually brainstorms how they can circumvent our current structures so that you can go ahead and torture people, that is an evil person. Now, that's not what he's saying. I don't, that was that, that uh, Asian guy. I don't disagree with that. So what I'm saying is it's indicative to me of from what I understand of DeSantis's position down at Gitmo, that he's one of those individuals. OK, fair enough. Okay. Is it is that a fact that he's one of those individuals? Again, I, I know that he was even... stationed down there and I know that he was uh, the lawyer who uh, I think uh, made the incident go away when the guy uh, uh, when one of the people died. Um, but no, there's not like a ton of reporting on it, but I've definitely validated the fact but, that that's how he started. His Bush career. had a circle of advisors who he asked for a legal opinion about what they could and couldn't do in terms of uh, enhanced interrogation, as they called it uh, at, at Gitmo. Now, that, that having said that, not everything that they did in Gitmo was um, approved under under the, the legal opinions that Bush might have manipulated. In other words, there there were things that happened to Gitmo that violated even the Bush rules, and o- Obama chose, I think, not to pursue it. But it, it, not everything not everything was sanitized by. I think it was waterboarding in particular, which they decided was legal. I don't think they ever decided it was okay to put a hose in some. Yeah. So rec- here's rectum. here's here's how they did it. Against all scientific evidence, they claimed that you could actually uh, feed someone in that fashion and that they would absorb nutrients. Uh, and so they went through with it, even though there was no evidence of the fact that you could provide nutrients by doing so. But they claim that you could. All right. I'm not defending. A- but ju- just for the record, I, I was the one that uh, said it right between both of you. But, uh, you know, uh, again, that means certain people that go want to be cops. They have certain agenda. Certain people want to be 
lawyers that have certain agendas, certain kind of people. And by, by the way, just state, state it differently. Let's say you deleted the entire conversation that we just had in regards to Gitmo. Uh, any politician, in my opinion, who's currently advocating for the Ukraine war is because they are on the side of the war machine. And so uh, to me, that's a deep state pick. Uh, Rob, who, who would you vote for? Who's your pick? Oh, me? I'm staying yeah. out of this one. Who wants to empower the bastards? Thomas Massey, general, who, 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 like who would be your ideal like candidate that you want to go? The for? only uh, the only person I, I like Thomas Massey and Rand Paul. Those are the only current active politicians I appreciate. I'm voting for RFK. There uh, you go. He's interesting. <laughs> you know, there's certain uh, there's certain issues that are big enough now. Like in the past, I was very against uh, just voting against somebody. Uh, but there's certain things that I really don't like in terms of like uh, ESG ESG scores. Uh, um, you know, general uh, censorship and of uh, you know lack of free speech, uh, central bank digital currencies, and this whole fake green energy movement that uh, I think really do encroach on my lifestyle and increase tyranny. So there's a chance that there's a chance if anyone who anyone who wants to get rid of the Ukraine war and will stand against those things, I would vote for. So like, there's a good chance that uh, even though I disagree with RFK on most of his policies. If he was taking a hard line against the Ukraine war and uh, some of the other things I spoke about, there's a chance I, I, I'd vote for him. I, I'm Googling all this DeSantis stuff now in Guantanamo, whatever it is. And I just want to say that what we're I'll, I, I'll everybody, follow up with you. I'll say everybody, everybody ought to Google it for themselves because we're we're not stating facts here at all. Like some of this is conjectural. Some of it is debunked. Some of it is not even related to what I'm reading in, in the various articles here. So if you have some, I mean, I'm well, Rob, email us the thing that you sure. have. Yeah, I can follow up with you on that one. Rob, do you have uh, and so again, some of the arguments for this I empathize with, but I think it's maybe more complicated than the sound quote. Do you have a path through which you would end the Ukraine war or th rather through which you would want to see your ideal candidate end the Ukraine war? Good question. What does that mean exactly? What to end the Ukraine war? Yeah. What path? Would, yeah, you just uh, you say uh, Ukraine's not going to join NATO. Uh, we're no longer going to fund the war effort. Uh, you let uh, uh, Putin keep some of the uh, areas that he's conquered and call it a day. But what if and what you, if save, Putin, and you what, save countless Ukrainian lives in the uh, now uh, for by starters, doing so. what if Ukraine for themselves wants to still join NATO and the rest of NATO feels otherwise? Do you think U.S. should use their power over NATO to insist on it? Wait, say that again. If, if Ukraine as themselves still wants to join NATO. Right. And the rest of NATO is in favor of it. Do you think the U.S. should I, I don't know exactly what the legal or, you know, tactic there would be should stand in the way of it? Well, firstly, I think uh, the rest of the world, particularly on this one, is following our lead. I, I don't think the rest of uh, Europe is uh, enjoys this situation and is advocating for Ukraine to be in NATO. Well, but not yeah, always. Even, Certain even, other countries provided weapons before we would in this process. There's countries now joining NATO. Uh, for Boris, Boris, I, I have to go, but I want to. So, so forgive me, you guys can continue without me. But um, I asked a question about what Rob just said, because I don't understand. So if if I tell I said we're not going to we're not going to let uh, 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 Mr. Putin, we're not going to let um, uh, Ukraine in NATO. I'm going to guarantee we're not Ukraine will never be in NATO. And we are um, going to, what was the other thing you said? We're going to stop funding the war effort. And Putin says, terrific. I'm going to take the whole country now. So what do, what what proof, do we say? Then we got a problem. 
I don't think that Putin's looking to take the entire country. I think you'll we'll take as the, much. Uh, you'll take as much as he wants, whatever that is. No, I don't. I, I think if you look at his uh, strategy, he seems to be, or at least at the beginning, you might have had to change by now. But uh, I don't it's I mean, it, it seems apparent he doesn't have the resources uh, to go and invade all of Europe. Uh, that's for sure. I, didn't say and all I know. Of Europe. I, I know. And he said from the beginning, by the way, that... to your question, I don't think uh, Putin wants to take all of Ukraine. Uh, Why I think do you he made say that? Clear. He literally said otherwise. Well, 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 Boris, but what about if he just yeah. wants to take all the Donbass and all the all all the area that's majority Russian? Oh, uh, so at this point for peace, I'd let him have it. That's my personal right, well, that, uh, my personal that, call. That, that, so, so, I, so, OK, so you would let him have it. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly you understand that's beyond even what people like Kissinger would do. But so you're but what you, you do must stop. Yeah, but think, okay, what does that mean to Taiwan? What does that mean to Iran? Yeah, but this was this was our own strategic error of saying that we refuse to say that uh, Ukraine won't be uh, entering NATO. Uh, we knew that this was Putin's red line. We had given them assurances that we weren't going to expand we didn't, NATO. We didn't know it was Putin's red line. Yeah, we did. There was a letter from uh, the CIA. Uh, no. I can get you that one also. No, no. But yeah, we did know that this no, was his red line. It, it, Putting 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 uh, Ukraine in NATO might have I don't know if it was a red line Yeah, because we were concerned. He was specifically concerned about uh, missile defense systems at, at his border. Look, I mean, it's the same as like uh, if Russia two, was down in Mexico, two, we'd be two out. weeks, two weeks prior to the invasion. All the smartest Russian Russian experts, including people in Russia, were saying he's not going to invade. So it, it, if it was so obvious, it would have been obvious then. It was not obvious he would invade. What was what what happened was, in my opinion, Boris is the expert on this, at least at, at this podcast. What, what happened, in my opinion, is that Putin miscalculated a because Biden stupidly said things like, well, if it's just a minor incursion, we'll, we'll probably be OK with it. B, because we had pulled out of Afghanistan. C, because he grossly underestimated the the grit and resolve of the of the Ukrainians. And obviously, if he had known the resistance he was going to get, he would have never done it. He thought he's going to be in and out in a couple of weeks. And but you think you think that's the think, lesson here. Right. The lesson here is is how weakness emboldens bad actors. And if that is the lesson, then can you imagine the lesson of rewarding him with half of Ukraine now? Who gives a shit if we strategically uh, if we didn't tow his red line, we're not obligated to tow his red line. He doesn't have a right. He signed treaties too, by the way. Those matter. He doesn't have a right to gobble up other countries in Europe now. Well, I don't think we can uh, float the moral claim of how dare you, you know, transgress on other countries when we've spent the last 20 years virtually at war in both Iraq and Afghanistan. And so the idea of like, oh, borders are the most sanctimonious things that ever existed. Uh, while people pour across our southern border and we've done countless military exercises in other countries, I don't really think we just go get that to go. These lines are the most important thing in the world and no so, one gets so to which, violate I don't them. understand which side of the argument are you on? Are you on the side of the argument that was that is wrong for us to do it? You're saying it's wrong for us to do it. But oh, I'm saying it's, to do it. No, no, I'm saying it's wrong for everybody to do it. So then why are you saying we should allow Russia to do it? Because when you say we should allow what I'm pointing to is how many Ukrainians have already died and that we're escalating towards bigger military conflict against another nuclear power. And I look at this and go, this is such a horrible situation. I would prefer to de-escalate it and end the war 
even if Putin walked away with territories, because that is so, the so it's okay for Saddam Hussein to take over Kuwait. And you would do that. He doesn't have a Kuwait, the second war. But you, you would do that even seeing how possibly tenuous Putin's hold on power is given this this uh, uh, mutiny or whatever you want to call it that with this guy, the Pogrosia hyper with the uh, with the Wagner guy. Yeah. And, and well, so that is uh, I, I will give you credit there because that to me is the uh, most interesting uh, potential out, out, outcome uh, in terms of just purely strategic interest. I'm not talking from like a morality and life standpoint, because I think we uh, there was a treaty earlier with Boris that Boris Johnson had gotten rid of. But anyways, um, I do think, yes, if you ended up in a situation with, uh, I guess, civil war in Russia and then we ended up with a new power, uh, someone new in Putin's position who is more favorable to America and became more of an ally, I would go, holy shit, hats off to the deep state. They actually pulled off a victory here. I, I, I would say I don't like it. I don't think it was the right call. I think it was a bad gamble. I don't like the morality of it, but I would go, yes, that was a victory for U.S. strategic interests. By the way, you know, you know, Trump's answer was not your answer. Trump's answer was I heard him. He said, listen, I would try to make this deal. And if Putin wouldn't go for it, I would give Ukraine more weapons than they ever imagined. But was the deal from Trump, including not giving up any of the ter- territories that have been currently been conquered. I, th- I think the deal I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure the deal was he wasn't Crimea that he was, that he should withdraw to the borders prior to the to the Putin should withdraw to his previous borders. There's there's just Crimea. by the way, there's another thing just to be aware of. Um, and this one, I've said a lot of things that I can validate uh, for sure. And this one I, I can't. But I'm just telling you that it's been reported uh, and it's worth looking into. Uh, and this is from uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor, who at the beginning of the war, I thought was coming out with some of the most interesting information, but I would say in my eyes, he's become slightly less of a credible source as some of his earlier predictions didn't come true. And he's starting to say loony stuff about us not even coming up to having elections. But at the beginning of the war, he was saying uh, he had some of the most interesting coverage. uh, And I thought like he was, he seemed to be the most spot on. And he was claiming that in some of the territories that Russia had conquered, when Ukraine took it back over, there was massive slaughtering of the ethnic Russians by the Ukrainians. Oh, I don't know. So, like I said, I, I, there's a lot of things I said that I'm 100 percent sure on. That one's been reported. It's, it's um, a, so if, if you want to in any war that's ever been fought, it's a pretty yeah. safe bet to say that both sides have engaged in slaughters. That's just right. That's, yeah, you, 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 I'm you just saying not, it might not, not be lose that money simple. betting. That. It might not be that simple to just give back. Uh, Boris, uh, you want to, you want to say I got to go, guys. I got to go. Bye. Fine. Um, uh, I'll add a few things. I mean, first, obviously, I have a, a bit of a personal bias here, but that notwithstanding, I could see a reasonable argument for the first part of what you said, which is it's not really in our interest to you know fight for every sovereign piece of Ukraine. We can see I can see a deal brokered where you let Russia keep certain parts. For starters, I would say one of the things that led to this that Noam didn't mention in his list was a weak response to Crimea when it originally happened and a weak response to Georgia when it originally happened. Uh, as far as wanting to take all of Ukraine, I mean, I watched it in Russian. Putin very clearly said Ukraine giving Ukraine independence was Lenin's biggest mistake. He doesn't feel that it is an independent state. He's repeated it in a bunch of different speeches, a bunch of different other writings and, and speeches that he's referred to have like supported that philosophy. I can 100 percent see him going for all of Ukraine. Maybe not now, given that what's transpired. I don't know. Like personally, 
I don't know the path to de-escalation, and I'm skeptical of anyone who can confidently say that, like, if you give up these things to Putin, like so many things have happened so far that I personally didn't see coming, that some of the like experts that I've been following didn't see coming. This whole thing with Fergorsian was like absolutely nutty. I still don't quite understand exactly what went down there. There's, It's just like to me, it's a terrible situation. I don't know exactly how to de-escalate from it. I'm not that confident that uh, what a lot of, I guess, like, libertarian right uh, a side that I normally empathize with on a lot of stuff. I don't hear somebody really describing a path that to me is totally believable in terms of a confident alternative. I don't know exactly what it, what that should be, but I think some of them diminish Ukraine's autonomy in this. Like they joining NATO is not solely up to the U.S. A lot of the other like whether the war continues or not is not solely right. up to the U.S. Well, I think uh, just to, to take on two of those points, um, First is in terms of Ukraine's uh, like autonomy uh, and respecting Ukraine's autonomy. What we're hearing from Zelensky, I don't I don't look as that as the will of the people. Um, I see a uh, very lucrative uh, effort here of uh, firstly, uh, I think the uh, mercantilist divisions, the United States of America wanted to get rid of the uh, Nord Stream pipeline. Ted Cruz had been, had been talking about that for uh, quite a while. Um, and uh, like, I, I think firstly they declined being able to like properly track how any of the money is going over there which is particularly crazy if you look at how much of the ppe loans just went to fraud and how much of our own us money uh goes missing uh so the idea that like the powers that be in ukraine want to continue a war here i don't necessarily look at that and go well that's of the strategic interest of the people um, what that's I see just is, how countries work, right? I mean, Ukraine is known to be one of the most corrupt countries in Europe. Don't get me wrong. Right. It's why I moved from there is a major reason. However, there's a scale here. Some of but the corruption... I'm saying the idea of the autonomy of the Ukrainian government, uh, particularly with a look back of whatever coup happened a couple of years ago when they had that agreement with Putin. And, you know, we basically overthrew that government. Uh, I don't and re- I don't believe that personally. Again, from people okay. that I know, I think we were right. involved, but I think people so, conflate the idea of yeah, the so, deep so state to, or whatever. To, to, uh, to Can I just finish like, that, that thought? Because yeah, I do think it's an important distinction. I think people often conflate. The U.S. is most certainly has their hands in a lot of fucking pots when it comes to all right. these things. But there's a difference between us creating a coup and us supporting a coup where there was an there was a legitimate reaction to uh you know uh what what's his name running on one platform and then switching up his platform midstream because he talked to Putin basically like i think a lot of that movement like maidan was a genuine like from people that i've spoken to was a genuine movement that i fully believe the us was involved with and supporting like don't get me wrong but there's a difference between saying okay their decision here as a country is irrelevant because on the scale of how corrupt and how much governments represent people. Obviously, they're not on the top of that scale. But again, like there's a certain point to which it's still another country. And it's right. But I'm saying how much of that is even influenced by us calling up Zelensky and trying to get him to uh, remain aligned with the strategic interests of the Biden administration. We originally wanted to fly him out of there. He decided to stay there and fight the war. We literally offered him planes to leave. There's just too many conflicting things here for me to for there to be this clear narrative. I, I empathize with a lot of those points. But to me, it's just like there's it's 
I, the best experts I know don't have a clear analysis of this situation like and have been wrong. And there's certain ones that I really like that I've been following and they'll correct themselves. But like it, to me, it's just it's a fucking mess. And it's not that clear to me what the path out of it I, is. I, I think but in your opinion, part, I, I think a big part of the mess is uh, Zelensky himself. I think the way he handled the whole thing is is horrible. But, and, um. So I got to know, mean, though, so mean? Boris, in your opinion, if there was a peace treaty that included uh, Putin uh, basically keeping the areas that he's currently conquered and we made that treaty, you think that Putin might still continue the war after we did that? Very, very possible. Yeah. But Easily. like, why? I mean, why would he then wouldn't he then just not agree to a treaty? Or, or, like it would saying- buy, or it would buy him time in order to build his military, form alliances elsewhere. I don't I don't exactly so you're, know. So you're of the opinion that there's a chance that Putin definitely wants to take all of Ukraine. He gambled here and it hasn't worked out for him. Like no matter what, he's taking all of Ukraine. And if anything, the fact that we are supporting the Ukrainian people and giving him pushback has made it more costly. And so it's good that we've made a, dict- a, a dictator uh conquering effort more costly for the dictator who tried to conquer a territory. Is that the idea? I I think there's an argument for that. But more importantly, I think that Putin has explicitly said he does not believe Ukraine to be a legitimate independent nation. He said that about certain other ex-Soviet nations as well. I don't know exactly what his line is. I know that similar to China, a lot of his a lot of the way the system functions there, there's not, as you can see from how some of the wars turned out, there's just not a clear line of communication the way that they're, at least relatively speaking, is in U.S. intelligence or even like certain European intelligence. I don't know exactly what he would do, but I know Russia as a country has a lot of things that are, you know, one way or another going to be a problem for them. They have a collapsing demography. Colonialism is the path out for them in a lot of ways, actually, in terms of just like where they are as far as their elderly population needing support financially from now they just killed a ton of the youth that uh that would have worked and supported that population already in a dire situation so i i think putin's facing like a corner with or without this war in a way and so in some ways he's backed into a corner already that i don't know what he's capable of and Maybe i don't know what he's capable this of war to, to do well, that i'm yeah. i'm not going to claim to know a thousand percent percent putin's well, we got, we're gonna uh, and, uh, right. have to yeah we're gonna have to go uh we already laid but one thing quickly it's, it's unrelated the weather so fucking hot you know but this is so this is we taped this show on sunday and this is just breaking news now greece is on fire you know they have the biggest evacuation ever in the country right now in one of the islands it's crazy i mean the whole fire like a like a forest fire or something in greece what's that what what is exactly on fire like uh like forest lands or something Uh, i have not heard about this it just no it's literally just now just happening now uh this are you sure you didn't read about a greece fire? thousands of tourists flee wildfires in greece largest ever evacuation this is wildfires gotcha yeah uh so yeah so uh it's it's crazy but anyway guys thank you so much uh if you want to say uh you know this to be continued for sure uh you want to say information where people can find you uh listen to your podcast the tours whatever boris you want to go first sure i'm at the boris k online on all the stuff um you can listen to Airbnb drama podcasts, a podcast that I do with a buddy of mine. And uh, you know what? On uh, Saturday, August 19th and a bunch of other dates, you could find me at the Williams Center at, at Tim's show. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, if, you, if you like my spewing, uh, 
run your mouth podcast two, three times a week and get a rundown of everything that's going on in the news, alternative perspectives of things that uh, you probably aren't hearing in other places. And uh, I do have a pretty good track record of being right. And then uh, other than that, summerporchstore.com doing uh, 30 independently produced uh, comedy shows all over the country. So uh, come hang out. Are you live streaming them? Uh, what, the comedy shows? Yeah. No, but I've started, uh, I'm taping all of them and hopefully uh, hopefully at the end I'll like put together kind of like an hour that's half documentary and, you know, about a half hour stand up or something like that. Oh, that's fun. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And you can email us at lifeamerica.comedycellar.com and I have a new show coming at the Comedy Cellar. It's called, I think we call it The Cellar Files. We're going to talk nice. about US UFOs, aliens, you know, uh, AI, like all these crazy stuff. It's going to be so much fun uh, show. So it's coming soon, September. I'll tell details later. Guys, thank you so much to go. Don't go to Greece. God help everybody over there. I'll see you. Talk to you soon. Thank you.